Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Good morning, everybody. Wow, we got started on time today. All right, I love it. If you do not have your cameras on, please, please, please turn your cameras on. I'm a big, big, big stickler for those cameras on. Um, today, uh, good morning, Jackie. Um, good morning, everybody. Thank you, Jeff, for turning your camera on. It's like kind of like that that uh, that street text mastermind we were on when someone else made a comment about the cameras and you know, <laughs> no one let up on them. I am that same person, just so you know. Also, especially because I'm hosting it, I get to make the rules. Just kidding. <laughs> Anyhow, hi, Caitlin. Nice to see you. I'm glad you're here. Um, so, okay. So the last few weeks, we have had some really awesome guests and some really awesome conversations. And last week, we talked about a market shift. And so, you know, I'm up here in the Seattle area. And typically, like from the, what I've seen in trends now, you know, I've, I've been around real estate my whole life. My mom is actually an agent. So I've been around the business for the last, my mom's been an agent for the last 30 years. Um, but I myself got my license about four years ago. So working in the business, you know, it's less time, although I have a lot of experience around it. So what I've seen and tell, correct me if you know, or I'd love to make conversation, but what I've seen is like trends typically start in the West and kind of move to the East. Like back in the crash of 2008, you know, um, the Seattle market really upheld their value compared to the rest of the country. So when we start to see little shifts here, I'm kind of like, hmm, is it happening everywhere else? You know, and and so anyway, today I just kind of want to make this an open conversation. I don't have any guests today. You are all the guests today. So feel free to unmute yourselves and let's talk about what's happening in your market and how, like, if you're still seeing um, a crazy, crazy seller's market, awesome. If you're not, how are you level setting your expectations with your clients? And the reason this is coming up is because more recently I have, well, now I have either in contract now, but more recently I had a listing come on the market and we put it on the market on April 4th. Okay. March 31st, I put, I'm sorry, March 23rd, I put two listings on the market. Those listings went in three days. April 4th, I put a listing on the market. It took me 12 days to get it in contract. So we're looking at, we're looking at like, what is that? 10 days difference. And Every I, I use the same pricing strategy for all of them. So it wasn't really like a different pricing strategy. It was literally just 10 day different, 10 days made a big difference. Now let's think about all the things that happened between March 23rd and April 4th, right? There was another raise in the interest rates. So I think interest rates went up like another half a point or something between those two times. Um, around here, I mean, I know Angel's here with me in Seattle. Weather really does affect how people feel about shopping. For homes. It makes a big difference here in Seattle because we do have a lot of gray and a lot of uh, dreariness. So the sun always makes people out and shop. So I'm really excited about the sun that's coming out. Anyway, but the, the last, that week was just a really horrible week for weather. I don't know. Can we blame the real estate market on the weather? I don't know, but I did. Um, <laughs> but on top of that, you know, let's look at the stock market, right? Around here, we have a lot, um, we're in a big, we're a big tech industry here. So a lot of the buyers that are buying and putting down that 20, 30%, that's coming from their stock. 
and we saw the stock market start to take a dip. So all of a sudden people don't have as much cash that they can put toward homes, right? So there's a lot of like different things that are kind of like playing into this market. So the whole reason I kind of wanted to start bringing up the whole market shift conversation is because, I mean, I don't have enough data yet to say the market has shifted. I have, do I have enough data to say the market is starting to show signs of a shift? Yeah, yes, but it also could be timing. It also could be a lull. It could be people adjusting to what's going on in the market. There's so many different um, things that are happening. So with my sellers that I had to wait from, uh, or that I had, it took me 12 days to put them in contract, that conversation was really, really tough. It's been a really hard transition for them because they were coming on the market when they thought that they were going to get multiple offers and they were going to see their house bid up $100,000 because that's what happened the week before we put them on market. So now we're on market and we're seeing 12 days, 12 days to get a single offer and the offer comes in significantly lower. So then we had to we had to kind of counter with that buyer to try to get the buyer to come up in price and my sellers and we're now seeing those homes that were that were pending sell and close for $50,000 more than what they're taking for their home. So it's just so it's like this whole like the conversations are completely changing. You know, the conversations around sellers are completely changing. So a couple of things I did right away is um, call I have um, two listings going on market this week, and I have four going on market next week. So you better believe I've had um, really, really strong conversations with those sellers to let them know, hey, this is what I want you to expect, considering we were talking about putting a house on the market in January, and it is now April, and we're seeing a big difference between January and April. So pricing strategies are changing, expectations are changing, um, marketing is actually changing up a little bit. In the past, I would never do open houses because we don't need them, because I have massive amounts of market going online and just massive showings. But now open houses are important. Open houses are super important again. So it's just, it's really interesting to kind of see these shifts. So I would love to know from those of you who are here, um, you know, what's happening in your market? What do you, you know, are you seeing the same sort of thing? What are your theories? What are your thoughts? And how are you helping? How are you little setting your expectation with your clients? Anybody feel free to come off mute. Well, I'm, I'm in Las Vegas and our market is really crazy. Um, our lowest listing this last week um, closed at 75,000 and our highest listing closed at 32 million, 32 million five. So we just have such a diversity. Our median price is 465,000 up 100,000 from a year ago. And so we're still seeing a really competitive market and it's really based on how competitively you um, price your, your um, property. Sellers that think they're gonna get 100,000 or $50,000 or $100,000 more than the comps are showing, you know, like on a median price house are not going to get that. And it's going to create, you know, you have to create a bidding war. And so I have a listing that's, a, it's a small listing in a, um, in a 55 plus community and we're putting it at 365. I think it's going to sell pretty close to 400 because it's probably the nicest one on a, on a bigger lot. Um, but we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. So yeah, the market here is, I think it's shifting because, um, you know, we were seeing less days on market. People are just pricing it too high. And so like a year ago, it was 37 days on market and now it's 23. But I really think the reason it's so many days on market is people just have unrealistic expectations and the, the, um, the you know, the listing agents are not having those conversations with their, their sellers. Yeah. And I think, I think those conversations are really, really important because, um, 
um, you know, with, um, let me, let me, let me back up and let me say this. Three months ago, I was like, I don't want to work with buyers. It's way too hard. And now I'm like, give me more buyers. It's like, it's like this bipolar, this bipolar market, you know, cause I mean the last, the last, like, I, I mean, I've worked with, I put four buyers in contract this year and I've only written like uh, five offers. So one buyer, I took me two offers, uh, two, two offers to get them in contract, but I've only worked with four buyers and I helped five, uh, sorry, four buyers, five contracts. And that was before the market actually shifted to kind of what it is right now. Um, but I will say like right now, like the conversations with buyers are shifting too. Galen, yeah. are you having different conversations with your buyers too right now? It just really depends um, on whether they're, you know, I've got a lot of cash buyers, which I really like. Um, you know, I'm currently my, I have a cash buyer and he's looking for one to $1.6 million listings. And um, so, but, you know, he also wants a view and he, you know, it's a second home for him. So yeah, I'm having those conversations and it's kind of like in that price range, it's kind of like, you're going to pay what you're going to pay. And he's not going to do, you know, he can, he can waive everything, but um, you're going to pay what you're going to pay. It's going to be based on, you know, do you want that house and do they have other offers and you're going to have to bid it up. If, and he doesn't want to be in a bidding war. So, um, you know, he's already, you know, he's actually a luxury, not a luxury, a custom home builder in, in Utah. So, and this is just a second home and he wants representation and, you know, he doesn't know the market here. So great client. And then, you know, other cash clients, it's still, even if you have cash, it just really depends on how much they're willing to waive. Um, and I mean, I actually got, I did, I was one of two offers out of seven that got considered and it was an FHA condo. And it was just my lender who came in and was really strong. And the only reason we didn't get it is we were only five over appraisal. I think our, our, build, our offer was like five grand over, but the next offer, you know, they, they said, we'll, we'll pay whatever up to like two Oh five. Um, as long as it, it, it um, at least appraises for 193. And so they were willing to make that gap where we could only make, we did 210 and we could only make a $5,000 appraisal gap. So, but even on FHA, if you have a good lender, that's what you need. So you're still seeing um, like appraisal gaps and, you know, waiving of all contingencies and all of that for the buyers in your market right now? Absolutely. I, I can't remember if we're number three or number five of the hottest markets in, in the state. So yeah, we're still seeing that. And I think so much money is coming from California. Um, that's where my last um, buyer came from with cash. And, um, you know, of course, this one's Utah, but people are, you know, flocking to Vegas because we're a little bit more conservative than California politics, you know, but, um, you know, we do have, you know, our mayor's independent, which is great because it's not, you know, she's not a liberal and she's not a conservative. And, and so people like that, you know, there's just a little bit more of that. So, and business, you know, we have a lot of, we attract businesses really well and people, you know, in California are like, Hey, I don't need to live here. I can live in a cheaper market and buy a house for cash and, you know, be pretty, pretty well set and work wherever I want to work. Right. Right. I think that's, um, that's, that's important to think about too, is the people that are coming in. We also have a ton of people here in uh, Seattle coming from California, um, which always surprises me <laughs> because I feel like Washington and California are the same, but I guess not, especially like property taxes and whatnot. Um, but that's interesting. Jackie, I know you are uh, in Texas and Austin specifically. I would love to know for you, what are you seeing in your market? 
Yeah, thank you so much for asking. Um, we are in a huge, Austin is a huge tech industry. Um, a lot of recruiters recruit back and forth from Silicon Valley to here. Um, we have all the big tech names here and more moving in. Elon Musk is now here with his big headquarters. It seems like just about every day we get a uh, huge announcement. Oh, this big company is moving their headquarters here. So we just have a huge influx of people coming. Um, it has been talked about how we will not see a buyer's market here until maybe the end of 2023. If that, um, we are not slowing down. Everything is multiple offers going over 70, 50 to 70,000 or more over asking. Um, if, if you're a cash buyer, you're in a position to play. I have a couple of first time home buyers that cannot waive, cannot, you know, cause we're seeing the waivers, the full waivers, the partial waivers, everything. Um, I just have some first time home buyers that just can't compete with that. And, um, I actually have a it's sad. I have a friend who's in dripping Springs, so not too far. Oh yeah. Him. Yeah. And he said that on his side, he's seeing it shift a little bit. Is he? Yeah. yeah and you and know what? And he might be in a different price point than I am because yeah. I'm like that, um, you know, like in between uh, our medium home price is 450. So that kind of gives you an idea. So I'm right at that medium home price or a little bit above, right to about 550, 600,000 um, is mainly what I have been selling um, here recently. And so, um, if you're in a higher price point and a dripping springs is a whole different game because it's on the south side of Austin. I'm on the north side of Austin, which is where all the growth and everything is. And um sorry, my my family's walking in and out of my office. <laughs> um so um you know, there's a huge growth on the north side because that's the only place to build and grow um, in our area. So, yeah, we're, we're just seeing a huge um, like I, I was helping a buyer the other day. The house that she wanted to put an offer in on um, had 10 offers on it. Um, the house was priced at four hundred. Um Three of the offers were 470 and above. A uh, lot of investors. And I don't know if this is huge in your area, um, anybody on this uh, meeting, but we have huge investors here. And what I mean by huge investors is corporate rental portfolio buyers. They like um, Progress Residential, America Homes for Rent. They're huge corporate companies with deep pockets coming in, buying hundreds of homes, and that pulls them off the market for your average buyer. And um, I'm not saying that it, that's a bad thing because we do need rentals, but here rent is just as much as purchasing. So it's not really helping anybody brought up a few a few things that I think are really important to talk about are um, price point, right? It really does depend on price point because it does. Um, and you know I have 
and the median price in my particular market is seven forty nine, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, you know one house I put on the market was above median, and uh, another house I put on the market was below median, and I found it didn't matter for either of them. So that was really That's interesting. interesting. That um, is interesting. Yeah, and the other thing that you brought up that I think is also super important, super important, and anyone who's been in real estate for any period of time, we know real estate is hyper hyper local hyper local. So like what's happening right here in my 98391 zip code is probably not happening in 98321, which is three blocks down the road. Um, I mean, it's probably very similar, right? Because people are generally looking in the same area, but what's happening here for me is not happening for Angel, who's a little bit further north of me. It might be a little different for her too. So I think that like understanding, I think that's another, um, that's another like really good point that you brought up was the hyper localness of it. Yeah. Um, because that makes a big difference. And then the third thing is not this, not the topic of this conversation is your comment about corporate say that one more time. What did you say? Corporate, uh, the corporate investors, and their, their corporate rental that they purchase properties for their portfolio. And so they don't buy them and sell them within a certain amount of years. They just keep them in their portfolio and they rent them out. Um, well, I think, I think you said something particularly that I was like, that would be a really, really good niche. Like whatever you said, yeah. that would be a super, super good niche um, for, for you. Like, I'm just like, well, <laughs> these are huge companies. Like my, the only reason I know about this, the inside skinny on this is mm-hmm. because my husband actually works for one of those companies that I just mentioned. <laughs> and I tell him all the time, I love your company because you get a paycheck. I hate your company because they come in and they just buy up mass amounts of property um, cash, of course, because it's all corporate money. It's all investors coming in. Um, they're backed by these huge investment firms. Um, and they come in and they just buy a bunch of homes and they, they just keep them in their portfolio. Interesting. Is anyone here from Canada? I'd love to hear about, there's no, no Canadians on here. I'd love to talk about more about the Canadian, what's going on in Canada right now with the Canadian housing market. That's really interesting. Um, thank you to those of you who are just joining us. If uh, you have not been on one of my calls before, I'm a huge stickler for turning on your camera. So please turn on your camera. We would all love to have a face-to-face conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, hi, Mel. Thank you for turning your camera on. Uh, Linda, Linda's got her hand raised. Yeah, hi. I just wanted to say hi. I love to be on here and hear everyone. It's super exciting. And I just, I'm in Sarasota, Florida, and uh, I'm trying to help buyers at this point. And it is still crazy, crazy. What we see is um, I was trying to help a buyer. We it's, it's basically super hard if you need to have a loan because all the cash offers, I'm sorry, my dogs are going crazy. And, uh, Uh-oh, we lost you, Linda. We lost well, so it's over 17 us usually pretty then I mean those that are like you know three millions or so maybe they're not 17 offers but you know, they go for so much way over Linda we are having a really, we're having a really hard time hearing you right now Okay, we'll come back to Linda. Um, I'll keep your hand up, but let's move on to because I know Mel has her hand raised as well. 
Can you hear me? I can. can okay. hear so er, the same thing is happening, I think, in our area with the uh, big investor pools. There's a, a big new community in the Northwest, and they, they just bought up a chunk of newly built homes. I don't, I don't know how they're getting away with what they're doing, but, but we are seeing some new builds saying no more investor purchases. So once they're a certain percentage, they are stopping that because there's so much complaint to the new builder in the community. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what right condos are like that. So I'm hoping there's kind of like something that puts a little damper on that. One thing that I got out of the Crawford report in Arizona yesterday was really good. So, so there's such a loss of, of, um, from Zillow and now open door and offer pad reported losses. They're going to pull back on purchases for a bit so that they can show a profit to their investors. Right. I think, I think it's time to really strike the iron and try and get those, those listings. Like that's what I see. I'm still focused on listings because it's still going to be hard with the the lack of inventory that we have for buyers right now. It's still going up, even though we see inventory creeping up here, the buyer demand is not dropping because not only do you have big people like, you know, Zillow and open door and offer pad, you have the regular investor or the person wants to fix, fix and flip, or, you know, the buyers coming from California. So we've still got a ton of competition. So it's still gonna, it's gonna increase. I see that still. One other thing that's really interesting from the report is that um, seller concessions is increasing in the 800 to million dollar price range here. Hmm. And that's always an right seller concession that that means they're hitting a wall with the, you know, people are pushing back and the more homes that come on, they'll have to, you know, be competitive and price to, to get those buyers and get them sold when they want. So I, I do think it's stalling and it's showing up in the upper, you know, price range. Yeah. And I think, I think you, you mentioned something a second ago was like, it's still a, a seller's market right now. I mean, it's still a seller's market here. Like statistically, it's still a seller's market. It's, um, it's just really interesting how, uh, you know, there's massively more inventory than there was, you know, a month ago. I mean, I think our inventory is up by like 50% from where it was a month ago, which is crazy. But um, our, our, and our demand, our demand is still higher and it, it still outpaces the inventory. It's just not as crazy it's just not as like you know massive as it was so yeah I I think you guys need to be careful about wishing that investors would get out of your marketplace here in California there's a bill pending to tax investors well it's it's aimed at investors but it's going to affect all home buyers um, which will institute a 25 percent tax if you roll a property over within the first three years, and then it decreases years three through seven, but that's on top of what you're already paying. So the the chances are slim that it's gonna actually pass. But if it does, again, you can't target specific investors. And here in California, especially with what's been going on with appreciation, not many people are staying in their homes seven years. So, those those that are wishing that investors were out of their marketplace should be very careful about that because you just don't want to blanket 
investors um, because you're also hitting your 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 average home buyer that realizes appreciation, wants to move up, wants to move down, but is in a position where they're going to be taxed extremely heavily to do so. So again, just just be careful what you wish for there. Yeah, I think we I think that's a really good point, Jeff. I think it's important to remember that everything that's happening in the real estate market is like what makes our real estate market a healthy market, right? So investors have to be here. We have to have disruptors in the market. We have there has to be people who are going to always keep us on our toes. And Mel, I think you said something else a second ago that I kind of wanted to touch on was um going after listings. And in for everything that I know about real estate. Now, again, if you were at the beginning, I'm gonna preface this with I I grew up in the industry. I only have had my license for four years. Okay. So just kind of take that for a grain of salt. But everything I've known and that I have learned throughout my entire life is that the thing that you really want to have in any market is listings. So like really going after going after listings is important. So I think that, you know, regardless of whether or not it's a buyer's market or a seller's market, you still want to have listings. Just putting that out there. Um, okay, Jackie. Hi. Yeah, two things um, that Mel kind of um, touched, I want to touch on what Mel said too, is um, first, when I was talking about those pro- portfolio investors, um, rental investors, they have people in-house. They are huge, like open door huge. And they have in-house um, uh Acquisition uh, where they're purchasing, they have in-house realtors, they, everything's in-house. The other thing I wanted to uh, touch on is in our market, we're seeing a lot with open door purchasing and having open door exclusives. I don't know if they have that in your guys' markets, but um, these are homes that are marketed only to realtors that are on their email list. Um for 14 days and then they go on the open market where um you know anybody then it's a bidding process stuff like that the great thing about this i know everybody's like open door oh my gosh i i agree i sometimes i get frustrated with them but for those buyers that cannot compete in a competitive way these exclusives by open door are no competing. It's first come, first serve. What the price that they say is the price that they purchase it for. There is an appraisal guarantee. If it doesn't appraise, they drop the price. The one catch is um, if your buyer cannot afford to pay your commission, Open Door will not pay your commission. So there's the caveat. But I have used it a couple of times with clients because they were able to pay my commission, which was very, very kind of them to not just like, see, ya, we're going this direction. Um, so um, it, it's been nice. And I have to say that the process was super smooth, like they had it together. There were a couple of things that they um, because Open Door does not use um, licensed realtors, but they use our, our track, uh, promulgated contracts. Um, so they didn't know some of the ins and outs of how things should be done. But, you know, other than that, it was super smooth. Um, it's just a choice for maybe your market has that for those buyers that you're just having a hard time getting under contract. 
Yeah, I think that's also, it's always good to have options. Thanks for sharing that. We actually, Open Door is not a huge player in my market. Um, so I don't, I can't really speak to that, but um, I'm sure that I know it is a big player in other people's markets because I hear about it all the time. Okay, we've had a couple of comments. So, um, and then we only have a, two more minutes left. So I want to try to hurry up here because I know someone, Mike had commented, kind of like Mel is saying, the Phoenix market remains very hot, slowing down some, right? Starting to slow a little bit. So, you know, very first signs of it, uh, but still multiple offers, appraisal waivers, selling over lists, et cetera. Okay, that's great. And Mike and Mel, how far are you from each other? We're on opposite sides of the valley. I'm in the Northwest Valley and uh, Mark and Mel, I think are in the Southeast Valley. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's really, it's really, again, locality, like really, it's like hyper local, right? That makes such a difference. Um, and then D is talking, D I'll talk, I'll talk to you one on, on, um, sorry, offline about ribbon and Divi. Uh, I've heard about ribbon. I've not heard about Divi. I know home partners of America. There's a lot, a lot of different companies out there doing rent to own. Um, but I would love to know more about that. Um, it looks like Janice and Gaylin are talking. And then um, Carrie says rent is also continuing to rise in Utah as well as I'm assuming home prices is where that's coming from. So is it kind of out of control for renters too? Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, and again, like you said, <clears throat> I'm in Northern Utah. Salt Lake City is a whole different animal. I mean, that's continuing to be hot. So, right. And to tell me, geographically is Salt Lake City in Northern Utah? I don't know. Uh, no, Salt Lake City is about 45 minutes from where I am. And I'm in Ogden, North Ogden. Okay. Um, but so, yes. And there's like 38 zip codes in Salt Lake City alone. So, yeah. <laughs> kind of like Seattle. <laughs> Seattle's, mm -hmm. like, Seattle's about 45 minutes north of me. And I don't know how many zip codes up there, up there, but there's, it's crazy. And each zip code is each little different borough in Seattle. Mm -hmm. is different. So just like each little borough in Tacoma. Neighborhoods. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so really quick action from this. It was a really, really good conversation. Thank you all for being here is, um, you know, I think it's important to, you know, understand, like take the stories that you're hearing from different parts of the, of the country and different markets. And, you know, how can you use that in your messaging to your clients? How can you use it into your clients that are in your pipeline, your active clients, just to kind of give people, I mean, Dee also made a comment about how she had three buyers tap out because of, of rates. Well, you know, the thing is rates are rising. We can't deny that. But my conversation to my buyers is that, you know, you, if you buy it, if you buy it like a five or five and a half, I think, I think I had someone lock at 4.75 yesterday, but um, I think if, if you buy it five and a half, you know, every lender I've talked to, and you might, I might be wrong, but every lender I've talked to anticipates rates are going to go down again uh, next year. So, I mean, if people are buying now, you know, I mean, prices are still going to go up like prices. I don't anticipate prices to go down. So if people are buying at a, this rate now and, and they're scared that rates are going to keep going higher, well, that's why you want to buy now before they go higher, because the prices are still going to go up. The prices are still going to rise. And if you can't afford, if you're scared of this rate at five and a half now, I mean, when that rate goes to six and a half, your affordability goes down here. So it's going to kind of do this weird scale. And then, you know, if they if they really want to get out of that payment next year, maybe refinance or two years from now refinance, when they do anticipate rates are going to go low again. However, I don't ever think, I mean, I'm not a psychic, but I don't think they're going to go lower than 4% again. So um, I don't know if, if anyone else disagrees with me, but 
Anyway, so I think that action from here is kind of take take the stories that you're hearing and how can you use that to educate your market? And, you know, how can you use that in your marketing? How can you use that in your communication to your clients? How can you use that to, you know, your advantage when you're negotiating a contract for a buyer or a seller? What, what kind of knowledge can you get from other people that can help you be better with what you're doing? That's all. All right. Well, thank you everybody for being here. Um, it was an awesome call today and we'll see you all next week. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the agent power huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the agent collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.